You're listening to Hawk Talk with former Seahawks wide receiver Michael Bumpus. At the 10-yard line, second and eight. Three wide receivers now in motion as Bumpus left to right. Julius Jones with single setback. Matt Pumpfakes looking to the goal line. He throws it into the end zone. Touchdown, Seahawks! It's Michael Bumpus with a diving catch in the end zone. A 10-yard touchdown reception for Bumpus, and the kid out of Washington State has found himself a place on this team. Powered by Seahawks.com. Welcome to Hawk Talk Preview Edition, Week 13. The Seahawks are at home against the 49ers, a team that they beat this year. Let's see if they can do it again, run that thing back. Before we get into it, let's get into the injury updates with NASA Chobie. Thanks, Bump. Well, I'll first start off with some roster news for the Seahawks. So they have signed former All-Pro and future Hall of Fame running back Adrian Peterson. Head coach Pete Carroll, excited to see what he can bring to the table. Excited to see if he can help us out and give us a little something and... Um... It's a player that I've, you know, I've known forever. You know, was way back to his high school days, and and uh, admired him tremendously over the years. Always disappointed we didn't get him back in the day, but uh, like I just told him, we finally got him. So I'm looking forward to see how he, how he does and uh, see where, where he can fit in. He's an incredible uh, competitor and and uh, a, a really great guy, and and uh, so I'm anxious to, you know, give him a chance to get on the field with our boys. As far as the injuries, some good news on Rashad Penny, who as of now is not heading to IR. No, we're, we're going to see how he works this week, see if he can get back in, in action. We're not sure yet. I have to wait and see. This is going to be, it's, it's a week that we're in a little bit different mode um, because of the Monday night game. And uh, so as we make it through the first couple days of the week, uh, we're kind of in recovery mode. Um, and uh, he should be able to do everything is what the, the trainers are saying. I'm talking about Rashad now, and so we'll see what that means. And lastly, Pete Carroll feels good about a possible return for Damian Lewis. Good positive signs going into today um, from the docs. Uh, we'll see what happens. This week will help him a little bit. He, he'll get another couple of days where we won't have to be jamming on anybody. So we'll see uh, see if that doesn't help him. So, uh, But we are thinking that he should be back. All right, that'll do it for the injury updates. Now it's time to talk about the Seahawks' Week 13 opponent. Familiar foe, the San Francisco 49ers. What's on tap? What's on tap? Those San Francisco 49ers, they are 6-5 on the season with wins over the Detroit Lions, the Philadelphia Eagles, Chicago Bears, the Rams, the Jags, and the Minnesota Vikings. San Francisco, man, early in the year, they lost four games in a row. I thought it was over. I thought it was all she wrote for those Niners. Everyone was talking about Trey Lance. When they get him in there, Jimmy Garoppolo is washed, can't do it. Things have turned, man. Things have turned, especially the last three games. They're on a three-game winning streak, winning four of their last five but things really started to change when they whooped up on the Rams. I think after that game, they beat them 31-10. to 10. That's kind of when they found their identity and what they do well, and they're starting to get healthy. And honestly, they've messed up the Rams. The Rams haven't won a game since. <laughs> so they've got it going on. Um, heading into week 13, or excuse me, week 12 against the Minnesota, it was a big game for both teams. They were 5-5. Five and five. It was a big playoff implication for that final wildcard spot. The 49ers stay true to what's gotten them to this point, and that's a dominant run game. Yes, you can still win in this league bump, run in the football. The 49ers are a great testament to that. They ran the ball 39 times for 208 yards, three tutties. Elijah Mitchell led all ball carriers, 27 carries, 133 yards in one touchdown. Debo Samuel also added 66 yards on six carries and two touchdowns. And Jimmy G, man, right where do you expect him to be? 17 and 26, 230 yards, one tutty, one interception. Very, you know, just average right there. Like good, good enough to get you to win games. Exactly. I mean, 
He's not going to hurt you, but he, for the most part, he did okay. Brandon Ayuk led all receivers, 91 yards on three receptions. The game was kind of close. It was 14 to 14 at half, and it's the 49ers in the third quarter went scoring twice in 22 seconds. Uh, Samuel capped off the first drive with three-yard touchdown. Aziz Alshayir got an interception on the next play from scrimmage. Uh, Mitchell ran in for a touchdown. So they kind of turned the game in that span. The Niners are pretty much in control the rest of the way. They did have an opportunity to ice the game with Robbie Gold field goal. He missed it. Minnesota drove down the length of the field, got to the San Francisco's 38-yard line before uh, turning it over on down, sealing the deal. The Niners crushed it in time of possession, 37 minutes to 23 for the Vikings. Kirk Cousins was okay, 20-32, 238, two tutties, one interception. More importantly for the 49ers, that win put them into the sixth playoff spot in the NFC bump. But let's look at these head-to-head uh, numbers here. What have you seen from these 49ers since the last time the Seahawks played? Seahawks and the 49ers. Obviously, the Hawks are 3-8. and eight. The 49ers are riding high at 6-5. and five. Total offense, the Hawks are 31st in the league, something that we're not used to seeing. The Niners are 12th. We talk about them running the football. I think that's a big reason why. Rush offense, the Hawks are 25th. And the 49ers are six pass offense. The Hawks are 26. The 49ers are 16th in points per game. The Hawks are scoring 19. That is 25th. And the 49ers are scoring 25. When it comes to this defense, I think that's kind of the big difference. This number might mess with you a little bit. Total defense, the Hawks are 32nd, but we know they've been playing well. The 49ers are six. Against the run, the Hawks are 23rd, allowing 124 yards per game. The 49ers are 14th, allowing 111. Pass defense, Hawks 31st, and the 49ers are 6th. This is where and how the Hawks stay in the game. Points allowed, the Hawks are tied for 6th, allowing 20 points per game, and the 49ers are 11th, allowing 22 points per game. Interceptions, both these teams have struggled to take the ball out the air when you look at other teams in the league. Both teams have 5 interceptions. You look at that penalties, Hawks, one of the... Least, pen, least penalized team in the league, honestly, with 59 and the 49ers at 63. Thing about this game is you just never really know. We're going to get into this know your history, but you know when this game goes down, it can go either way. Russell's had a lot of success against this, against this team. Break it down for us, Nance. Know your history. Know your history. Yeah, you mentioned it, Bump. Seattle leads the all-time series 29-17, to 1-0 in the postseason. Everyone knows what that game was. Russell Wilson, though, man, a ton of success against these 49ers. 15-4 and in his career, won the last three matchups. So that's dominant. I mean, that is – I don't care how you say it. That is that is impressive. Russell Wilson has dominated this matchup against the 49ers. Last time the Seahawks played, uh, the Seahawks went down to Santa Clara on October 3rd, beat the Niners 28-21. to And the Seahawks did a, were – you know, they came off back-to-back losses against the Titans and Vikings. Just kind of got them back to center – Improved to two and two on the year. They had to overcome though a slow start. They gave up an eighty-eight play, seventy-one yard touchdown drive to the 49ers on the opening possession, and then went three and out five straight possessions to start that game. But in the second quarter, things kind of started to change for the Seahawks. They put together a drive, six plays, eighty yards, ending in a DK Metcalf twelve yard touchdown. Quandre Diggs got the first interception of the year at the time, picking off Jimmy G. And then in the third quarter, that's when Russ really started cooking, man. Russ led him on a seven-play, 66-yard drive, ending with a 16-yard touchdown run by Wilson, if you remember that crazy run. Plus, um, right after that, the 49ers fumbled the ensuing kickoff. Seahawks recovered, and two plays later, Russell showed that he still got it, man. 
Crazy wiggle to the left, escaped a fumble or a, a strip sack, spun around, found Freddie Swain in the end zone for a 13-yard touchdown, put the Seahawks up 14 points, and that essentially kind of sealed the deal for that. The 49ers, really a lot of times with Jimmy G, he got hurt his calf during that game, so he was pulled. Trey Lance came in and played most of that second half. But Russell didn't – he didn't light the world on fire in terms of stats, but he was efficient 16-23. 149 yards, two touchdowns, also ran for a tutty. Uh, DK Metcalf, 65 yards, one touchdown. Alex Collins got his feet wet for the first time this year, 44 yards and one touchdown on that. And Quandre Diggs, who's been solid all season long, seven tackles, two passes defended, one interception. So if anything bumped, the Seahawks know these guys. They know the Seahawks. Pete Carroll know what Kyle Shanahan's about, what he wants to do offensively, vice versa. Same thing with Kyle Shanahan and the Seahawks. Seahawks have been fortunate to be pretty successful against the San Francisco 49ers, and the Niners are playing good football. So this is going to be a tough matchup, but I feel confident in the front that the Seahawks know what they're getting into. The, the, the real thing is what they can do when we get into matchups later on. But let's check in on the rest of the NEC West. What's the word? And the Seahawks are the NFC West champs again. What's the word in the West on Hawk Talk? What's the word? Arizona Corners are 9-2. and two. That is the best record in the NFL. The Los Angeles Rams are right behind them at 7-4. And, and the 49ers are 6-5. and five. Seattle's at the bottom of the division at 3-8. and eight. Last week, the Rams played the Packers, though. The Rams started the season 7-1, but then they've really struggled the past couple of games. Last three games, they've lost all three of them. Something that stands out is Matthew Stafford's not taking care of the football like he used to. He's been intercepted five times, two of those going for touchdowns, and has lost one fumble. Prior to that, he only threw four interceptions in eight games. Now, the showdown against the Packers was really competitive to start after falling behind 10 to zero, the Rams answered with a 79-yard bomb to Van Jefferson. The teams would then trade field goals and touchdowns and went to halftime 20 to 17. But in the third quarter, it was all about the Packers. They scored 17 straight points, extending their lead to 36 to 17. Odell Beckham caught his first touchdown of the season. It was a 54-yard pass from Matthew Stafford. It was a slant and go. He hit the slant, put his head down, started digging, finds him over the top. He finished the day with five receptions, 81 yards, one touchdown. Cooper Cub does what he does, seven receptions, 96 yards. Stafford finished the day going 21-38, 302 yards, three touchdowns, and one interception. The Ram will most likely get, on, get back on track this week because they're playing the team that people love to play the Jacksonville Jaguars. Even though the Jags got a couple good wins, you would expect the Rams yeah. to get this done. Yeah, you mentioned it. Uh, Stafford, that's shocking. Yeah, he's not taking care of the football. Five touchdowns in, two, in three games. Two of them are turned for touchdowns. So that's kind of their issue right now. They're turning the ball over. That Vaughn defense that we knew all about last year is not holding teams to where we'd expect them to be. When they lost to the Titans, I was thinking, man, the Rams are so lucky they're getting the Titans without Derrick Henry. It didn't matter because they were turning the ball over. Titans get a big win. 49ers just blew the doors off. They couldn't. The Rams could not stop the run. And then last week, the Packers were in control most of the way. So the Rams, the Rams are struggling a little bit. You mentioned it. They're probably going to get right against the Pack, or excuse me, against the Jaguars. So we'll keep monitoring that. Cardinals, they're coming off a bye week. Um, they got the best record in the National Football League at nine and two, and somehow survived no whole month of November without Kyler Murray, and DeAndre Hopkins. They went two and one in those games, um, but both Murray and Hopkins returned to practice today, so we expect them to be back out there. Bump, and I'll just quickly look at this playoff standings. Like we mentioned, the Cardinals is nine and two, leading the NFC. 
then followed by the Packers, Bucks, Cowboys, Rams, Vikings, and Saints. Hold down that final playoff spot at 5-5. Five and five. So it'll be interesting, Bump. The Seahawks are not in contention at the moment. They're only two and a half out. Well, obviously, a lot of teams to jump to get to that point. But right now, it's all about the Seahawks winning one game. It's about taking care of who's in front of you, and those guys are the San Francisco 49ers. Let's take a look at these matchups. Hey, who is this? Oh! Man up on Hawk Talk. First matchup, Jimmy G versus the Seahawks defense. On the year, Jimmy is 187 for 280 for 2,342 yards, three touchdowns, and six interceptions. He's been sacked 18 times. He also has 30 carries for 40 yards and has three rushing touchdowns. At this point, I think it's pretty clear who Jimmy is. All right, He's going to complete around 67% of his passes. He's going to work the middle of the field. He's prone for an occasional turnover, but he usually does just enough for the 49ers to win ball games. He's not going to do anything spectacular. He's not going to have the vintage Russell, Russell Wilson plays. He's going to do just enough. Jimmy G is 1-4 against the Seahawks. He's also been hurt two of those games. In the week four loss, Jimmy went 14 to 23, 165, one touchdown and one interception. Defensively, the Seahawks are still near the bottom of the league in most categories. 32nd in total defense, 31st against the pass. However, they have been really good on the scoreboard. That is what we're banking on. The Hawks are tied for six in the NFL in points allowed, giving up 20 points per game, only allowed 26 points or more three times this year. Contain Jimmy, allow him to be who he is, don't give up any explosive plays. These dudes got a shot. Absolutely. And Paul Moyer, if he was listening, he would say the exact same thing. You got to make Jimmy get the ball outside. You got to make Jimmy throw the ball outside of the numbers because he works in the middle of the field. That's what he does. He's not, he's not a big bomb guy. He, no one would ever compare his deep ball to Russell Wilson or anything like that. But he's efficient. He does just enough to keep his teams in games. So, like you mentioned, we know who Jimmy G is. It's now if the Seahawks can – exploit that right they've had enough games against Jimmy Garoppolo he can't have a day where he's throwing for 300 plus and the running backs and everyone else is getting busy so try to keep Jimmy G in check there now bump this matchup I mean we could spend our whole show talking about this matchup right here in my opinion this is the biggest matchup of the game and this is where the game will be decided it's the 49 running backs versus that Seahawks front seven the 49ers do one thing extremely well like we mentioned earlier and it's running the football they're six in the NFL in rushing, averaging 130 yards per game. However, in this three-game win streak, though, they're averaging 178 yards per game. Against Minnesota, 39 carries, 205 yards, three touchdowns. Against Jacksonville, 42 carries, 171 yards, one touchdown. Versus the Rams, 44 carries, 156 yards, and one touchdown. And Bump, honestly, when I look at them, it doesn't even, to me, it feels like it doesn't even really matter who's running the ball. Whoever they line up back there seems to have success, whether it was Moster before he got hurt, whether it's Mitchell or Debo. Whoever they put back there, Bump, is running the football, and this is going to be a huge matchup to see where the Seahawks, if they're going to show up in this category of the game, because the Rams, go, or excuse me, the 49ers, the last three weeks, everyone knows what they want to do, but they were still able to do it. When you're running the ball 42 times, 44 times, 39 times, that means you're having success despite the other team knowing what you want to do. So this is going to be a huge matchup for me. Disrespectful running it 44 times, not being able to stop it for a defense that has to be frustrating. So this 
you know, if I'm a Seahawks defender, I know what's going to happen. I know what's going down. You better put your big boy pads on, fill your gaps, and make open field tackles because they're going to want to run that rock. The next matchup, Seahawks back seven. That's the DBs and the LBs versus Brandon Ayuk, George Kittle, and Kyle Juszczyk. The Seahawks are really catching a break with Debo Samuel, man. He's not going to play this week. Not only has he emerged in the run game the past three weeks, he is one of the leading receivers in the league. He has 56 receptions for 1,000 yards and five touchdowns. He's a home run hitter. When he has a football in his hand, it feels like he can take it to the house every single time. Debo is dangerous. You not have to deal, You don't have to deal with that this week. So good for the Hawks. But Brandon Ayuk will still be there. He has 32 receptions for 432 yards and three touchdowns. His numbers aren't crazy, but he also has potential. George Kittle, one of the best tight ends in the league, 35 receptions, 424 25 yards and three touchdowns. Now he can block. He can catch the run after the catch is great. He does everything you want your tight end to do. If you see 85 out there, you better recognize where he is and get hands on him right now. Kyle's you Yeah, he is. He's a dying breed in this league. Mm-hmm. He's a dying breed. He plays a fullback position. Not a lot of teams are using these guys these days, but he finds ways to be productive. He has 21 receptions for 210 yards and one touchdown. They got some playmakers over there for the 49ers. No question about it. And you, you hit on it, and I think this is another huge thing, that Debo Samuel is not going to play, right? Huge. Debo, he's the fourth-leading receiver in the National Football League. And the last three weeks, they've said, hey, you can run the football too. Let's put you back there. He has 25 carries for 203 yards in, uh, in five touchdowns. 189 of those yards have come the last three games. He's averaging 8.1 yards a carry when he's running the football. We know he was a pass catcher, so that's Enormous for the Seahawks. That is, you never wish ill on anybody. Debo, heal up as quick as you can. I'm not sad that you're not healthy against the Seahawks <laughs> on Sunday. And the other thing, um, Kittle and Juszczyk, Kittle, every single time I put the film on, every single time I put the film on, I'm looking at 85. And he's driving somebody into the ground. He's making a move on a reception. He's getting to the second level. He's taking linebackers, defensive linemen, and putting him in the ground. He is... We've said it on this show for two years, three years now. He's the best tight end in the National Football League. Kelsey's going to get all the yards. There's obviously a lot of great tight ends out there, but the premier tight end, if you could sketch one out, or like, this is what I want my tight end to look like and to do, it would be George Kittle. He is an unbelievable football player, and he's a guy that uh, that front seven, hey, heads up. If that's Benson Mayo, Carlos Dunlap, Jordan Brooks, whoever's out there, Bobby, you need to, be, you need to bring it, essentially. You got to bring your lunch pail because he, he can go. He might be the most elusive tight end I've ever seen with the ball in his hands. I'm sitting here trying to think about, okay, who has wiggle like George Kittle with the football in his hand at the tight end spot? I can't think of any. Like, he's he's the new age tight end. These are This is what we're going to start seeing these next few years, a bunch of George Kittles in this league. He's changing the game. Yeah, because when you think about tight ends over, like, Kelsey's great, and he's he's a great receiving tight end. He gets open, runs good routes. He's not He's not, like, juking guys. He's yeah. not breaking tackles the same way. When you think, I mean, it's hard to even think, even across the time, whether it's the Tony Gonzalez of the world or the Antonio Gates, just not the same. Kittle's just built different, man. Yeah. He's just built different because he can do both, and he's physical. And I think you're right. When I think of George Kittle, I think it was two years ago, they were playing the Saints, and he had that crazy run where he's throwing people left and right. They're yeah. pulling his face mask, ripping his face mask off. Got four guys carrying him on his back. Dude's a baller. Dude is a baller. I just hope he doesn't ball out on Sunday. <laughs> Another matchup I want to take a look at is Nick Bosa and Dwayne Brown. So, Dwayne Brown, OG, been doing it for a long time in this game, been playing good football for the Seahawks, especially as of late. 
But this 14-year vet, vet's going to have his hands full with Bosa. Bosa is tied for fourth in the NFL with 11 sacks, 36 tackles, two forced fumbles, one pass defended, 16 one six tackles for loss. This dude is a maniac who will make life a living hell for quarterbacks and offensive linemen. And the Seahawks has got to contain him to have any kind of shot because no one is going to mess up a game quicker on that defense than Nick Bosa. Nick Bosa is a powerful and intense football player. When you look at that defensive line, Every team would love a Nick Bosa. It's in his genes. He's got brothers who do it as well. He, I mean, he's just he's just a ball player. When you say the term like football player, like mm-hmm. this guy's just a football player, Nick Bosa fits under that category. Does a bunch of things well, and it's just super intense. Nick Bosa is going to be a tough one, this. Yeah, no question. And you mentioned football players. The 49ers have three football players. Kittle, Juszczyk, Bosa, they all fit into that. And something nice for the Seahawks, again, Fred Warner's another one of those dudes, but he's yeah. also going to be out. And Warner leads the team in tackles with 92, four TFLs, three passes defended, and two fumble recoveries. So they got guys that want to be physical and that want to play the game the right way in terms of just that dynamic, like, you know, physical, tackling, playing within the rules. Those guys, they got good football players, so this will be a tough matchup for the Seahawks. But good thing for the Seahawks, they got some dudes too. They just need to play to their level that they're capable of, and this is going to be a great matchup. Now, Bump, I put this last one on here. Seahawks offense versus themselves. In my opinion, they have what they have the tools. They have everything they need. They have the coaches. They just need to get out of their own way, Bump. Tell yep. me, we've had this conversation, I feel like, a lot in recent weeks, and we've seen little glimpses. If you could pick one thing for the Seahawks offense, what would that be that you want to see fixed going into this weekend game against the 49ers? One thing. You already know it's third downs, baby. You got to convert on third downs. The Seahawks have 43 three and outs and 122 drives. Third downs have just been a major issue. They're nine of 60 in third downs on third and seven or more. Nine of 60, third and seven or more. So you pretty much say, look, get these guys in third and seven. You got a chance um, for them to put the ball on the foot. They are 32.5% on third downs on the year, 39 of 120. Third downs have just been huge. If you want to be a successful offense, you got to be able to move the ball and have sustained long drives. If you don't convert third downs, those long drives will never happen. Yeah, absolutely. And I think I think it's it's got to be about them. You know, I think every team, when you talk about, obviously, they're going to watch an unbelievable amount of film. They're going to prepare. Everyone in this building is doing that. But sometimes it's about you. Sometimes it's not you, it's me. No, sometimes it's really about me, right? We got to look, look within. Yeah. And I think because they have the talent on this roster and this coaching staff, they can get that done. They just need to stop hurting themselves. It's always something that breaks down that sets stuff up, whether it's missing an open guy or the wrong route or dropping a ball or a, a miss th- something missed in protection, things like that. I think if they can get out of their own way and do what they do best and figure out what that is and then try to do that consistently – they can do it. We know it. You got DK Metcalf. You got Tyler Lockett. You know, you got guys you can get the ball to. Gerald Everett. Get him the Gerald football. Everett. Gerald on, Everett man. is a beast, man. Get him the ball. There's guys out there. Dwayne Brown, it's there. They just need to get out of their own way and just find a rhythm. Find a rhythm. It's really hard to find a rhythm when you're on the field for three plays or when you run, you know, under 60 plays as an offense. There's no way you can get into rhythm. So, to your point, third downs, figuring out a way to stay on the field, I think that'll really help the Seahawks offense because they're going to need it because the 49ers are playing good football. 
Get your ballers to football. Be great on third downs. You have a chance to win ball games. Here is the path to victory. At the 45, waits for the snap. Michael Dixon puts it down. That kick is away. And that kick is good! The Seahawks win! It's good! It's a path to victory on Hawk Talk. I mean, pretty much what we just say, get out of your own way, all right? And you have to win time of possession. Don't even win it, but let's keep it close. Last week, it was 18 minutes to 41 minutes, I believe, with the Washington football team. Just hold the ball. Keep the ball in your in your hands and let this defense rest on the sidelines. On defense, you have to get off the field. Now, they've been playing well, right? They're not they're allowing teams only about 20 points per game. Uh, but if they are out there for 15 play drives, 16 play drives, eventually, they're going to get tired. So possess the ball, defense, get your butt off the field, and offense, get out of your own way. You want to help with time possession bump? Then you got to stop the run. The 49ers are not playing when it comes to the run. They're going to tell you, hey, we're going to line up. We're going to run this thing 40 times. Are you going to stop it? Yep. Just straight up, are you going to stop it? And the Seahawks last week gave up their first 100-yard rusher since week three. Antonio Gibson had 111 yards last week. So the Seahawks are going to need to bring their lunch bales and be able to stop that run. Otherwise, this can get ugly best way to adjusting time possession is getting off the football field. And the other thing, man, make plays. Just need to make plays. Like, you, you love seeing things last week. You love seeing Jamal get a pick because people are in the right spot. You love to see Freddie Swain make a big play. You love to see Tyler Lockett making a play. It's all about play. Your best players need to make big plays. And it, we need game-changing plays on both sides of the ball. That's taking the ball away. That's Taylor Taylor getting sacks, right? That's Jordan Brooks stopping a screen. That's Sidney Jones keeping guys in front and breaking up passes. That's DJ Reed doing his job. You know, so I just need to see more plays, more game-changing plays from the Seahawks playmakers. You got to take care of the house. Take care of home field. The Seahawks are one and four at Lumen Field this year. That is just not good enough. And you got to play with some pride. The season is not going the way you thought it would go. It just isn't. But this is where we are. Play with some pride. Still make some noise. Remember who you are and who is on this football team. Still enough to go out and win ball games. Absolutely, Bump. Find a way to go 1-0. Reminder, guys, you can catch us anywhere. Seahawks.com, Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Google Podcasts, Stitcher. Lots of other good content on the Seahawks Podcast Network. Seahawks Insiders with Jen Mueller, John Boyle. The Huddle with Dave Wyman, Stacey Ross, and Jay Keeps. Hawks Live with Michael Bumbus and Paul Moyer. Seahawks stories with Robert Turbin and Seahawks rewind after each and every game getting the most analysis from the Seahawks post game show bump we've been saying it we've been looking for it I feel like this is it I'm speaking into existence Seahawks go 1-0 this week and I feel like they just need one just give me one yeah. and things can turn things can turn but find a way to go 1-0 at home protect the house come on now need you guys to show up to Lumenfield ready to go this has been Hawk Talk preview edition week 13 the Seahawks are playing the 49ers still looking to bounce back keep believing I'm Michael Bumpus he is NASA Chobie thanks for chilling with us